Well, I'm glad to be back among all of you, even though uh, it was so nice to be uh, high in the mountains in, in the midst of God, uh, but you know you always have to come back to the valley. Uh, and so uh, how appropriate uh, that today's text is the valley of the dry bones, uh, which you know sometimes feels like in Oklahoma summer. And so uh, I am reading from Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 to 5, and then skipping down to verse 11. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil, and you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act. This is the word of God for the people of God. So the book of Ezekiel uh, is written when the people of Israel are in exile in Babylon uh, sometime in the 6th century B.C. So if you think about it, here are God's chosen people who have been called, and yet throughout the scriptures, uh, they have to come out of Egypt and wander in the wilderness for 40 years. They arrive in the promised land, and then they're going to be conquered by the Babylonians. They're going to be conquered by the Assyrians. They're going to be taken into captivity. Their lives are not like some perfect world just because they are God's chosen people. They still have to struggle with the world as it is and things that happen in the world. And so here is Ezekiel, who is actually a priest of Israel and has been taken out into uh, captivity along with the rest of Israel. Uh, and uh, he sees all the people in despair, how they've, as the psalmist says, they sat down by the rivers of uh, Babylon and there they wept, not knowing what would come next, not knowing what to do, not knowing uh, what would happen. And then God gives 
Ezekiel, the prophet, this vision. Now, all the 36 chapters before this is all about gloom and doom and all the missteps and misdeeds and wrong turns and whatnot of Israel. But now, God gives Ezekiel this vision of renewal, of restoration, of resurrection, of new life for the people in the midst of their circumstances. The question comes, oh, oh mortal, can these bones live? And that's the question that Israel is asking. Can these bones live? And in fact, it's the question that the church down through the ages asks, that we may be asking, the people ask down through the ages in times of despair and difficulty, can these bones live? And the vision that Ezekiel is given tells us two things about this kind of renewal and new life that God offers and two things that we should probably pay attention to. Now, the first thing is the idea of it's the whole community of Israel and it's the whole community that is to be renewed. It's not about who was at fault? This individual was bad, that one was bad, you guys are going to get in trouble. No, they're all in this together. And you see, for us today, we have been raised in a society in which individual rights take precedence. Uh, we are, in, and understand that I think that's a very good thing that we have rights as individuals and we expect them, but that's how we're shaped now in ways where we know we can choose where we want to live and what we want to do and, and who we want to associate with and what church we want to go to. But the Bible doesn't know anything about those kinds of individual rights. They're only 300 years old. The Bible only knows about a human being being part of community. So for these people, you know, uh, if your dad is a priest, you're going to be a priest. If your dad is a shepherd, you already know you're going to be a shepherd. If your people, your tribe live in this particular territory, that's where you live. And, and if the leader says, hey, we're going to move over here, you get up with the rest of the people and you move over here. You don't say, hey, I'll catch up with you later. Go on. They didn't have a sense apart from living life in community in this way, which is really hard for us to get our minds around. So when they are called out to be the people of God, the only thing that changes is who's leading the way. So instead of the leader of the tribe or the group uh, telling the people what to do, and they do, it's now God who is telling the people what to do and they do, or should do. And so for you and I as the church, as the body of Christ, we are called to follow Jesus as the head. He's the one who's leading us. And it means that in some ways, we are to see ourselves counterculturally as a community that often sets aside my own preferences and my own particular desires for the greater good that I understand that I'm listening to God and setting aside some of what I want so that the whole community can thrive, and more than that, so that the kingdom of God, 
which is our mission, can be furthered in the world. It's not even just about what's inside the building. It's about all those people out there that we are called to bring Christ to in the world. Okay? So, in fact, you know, I like to say... If we are not about the mission of the kingdom of God, which is the, the reason that, that the body of Christ, the church, exists, then, then we don't really have any reason to exist at all. We are here to do God's work in the world. And what this passage tells us if, is if you are seeking renewal and new life, then you have to realize that it's about God's work and the larger vision And that may not always completely coincide with my own. That's scripture. But it's not enough just to have this real communal sensibility. Now, the part of the scripture that we skipped, that most of you know, is where the bones start to come back together, right? Where that the the hip bones connected to the knee bone and the knee bones connected to the ankle bone and the ankle bones connected to the toe bone. I don't know if there's a toe bone, but you get the point that all of these bones begin to come back together. And then on top of that, the flesh comes back on the bones. But here's the thing. It is not enough for there to be flesh and bones for them to be alive again. They do not come alive again until they receive the breath of God, the Spirit, upon them. Now, Brian, Pastor Brian, has done a great job in recent weeks in talking to us about the power of the Holy Spirit as a power to life. And if you're looking at the scriptures from beginning to end, it is the breath of God. It is the Spirit that brings life to the people. I mean, think about the Garden of Eden and this this earth creature that is formed. It is not a living being till the breath of God breathes into it. Think about Jesus after the resurrection. What does Jesus do when he walks in with the disciples? He breathes on them. You think, that's a kind of a weird thing. No, it's the breath of God, the breath of life, giving new life to the people. Again and again, it is the spirit that gives life to the people of God. Uh, And that's what we see at Pentecost, that the spirit descends upon them, enlivens them, animates them, spins them around, like a wind and sends them out into the world. In other words, can these bones live again? Yes, if they have the breath of life, the spirit of God living within them. That spirit is the glue of a community. That spirit is what people will feel and sense when they come walking into a place. That spirit is what's going to lead us to wherever God would have us go. And what we need to remember is that the Spirit's leading is often, always, I might even say, to places where we don't expect to go. I mean, when the Spirit comes upon Abraham, the first thing that God does is say, okay, go to a place you don't know. Over and again, when we're open to the Spirit, when we pray, come Holy Spirit, when we allow ourselves as a community to be filled and led by the Spirit, that's when we really come alive. That's what this passage is saying to us, to watch for the Spirit, to hear 
and follow. Now, there's one other thing I think that's so very important about this passage from Ezekiel and the vision that we get. And that is that so often uh, churches and people in their lives go through these difficult places. And it's not necessarily somehow I've, abs I've been absent from God. It's that things happen in the world. And we find ourselves basically in a valley of dry bones, and we say, oh, Lord, can these bones live again? Sometimes we don't know if there's a way out of where we find ourselves. But Ezekiel says to us, no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter whether you think you can see a way out or not, God can. No matter what we're going through, God can do what only God can do. We make plans, as the Proverbs tell us, but God directs our footsteps. No matter where we are or what we're going through in life, we are called to be people of faith who trust that God can. That we may not be able to, but God can do in our midst and bring life and that abundant. And so the word of Ezekiel not only is for us about community and not only is for us about the need to always open ourselves again and again to the power of the Spirit, but it says to us no matter what's happening or where we are, that we have a God who can do the seemingly impossible. That it's up to us to walk by that faith and trust that in all circumstances says, God can. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.